Hey everybody, welcome to Darisha's podcast, Elite Mastery. I created this um, series of podcasts because I felt that um, there's lots of information out there to inspire and motivate individuals like myself and people that I work with uh, throughout the year and all the speeches and talks that I do. So throughout the month and throughout the year, I'll be interviewing people who are experts in their fields and I consider them as masters. Enjoy the show. Hi everyone, um, today I'm absolutely honored and uh, it's a total pleasure to meet this gentleman I'm going to introduce to you, uh, Spencer Lodge. Now, the story goes with Spencer Lodge that people see Spencer as a competitor to me because he's a sales and marketing expert and over the last six months I met over 10, 11 people who said you got to meet Spencer Lodge. So I contacted him not knowing what his response was, was going to be and he's a gentleman, he's an optimist, he's a thinks about abundance and his response was amazing and he's here today to have a fireside chat with me. So welcome Spencer. Thank you very much. I'm very grateful that you invited me. Thank you. Why so would much. I say no to you? Because you didn't know me, right? And this guy's this random bald guy that looks like a bouncer and messages you, right? <laughs> it's so, like a bouncer. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming. Um, we were having a chat earlier and yeah. we were saying how much we respect salespeople. Mm-hmm. I know you're a sales and marketing expert. Can you just tell us a little bit about how you got into sales? Um, I know you're an entrepreneur, you've had several businesses, you have a, uh, several businesses now, successful businesses, but were you always an entrepreneur? Was sales something that you, you felt there was a strength within you when you were younger? How did you get into sales? Okay, so I don't class myself as an entrepreneur because I don't really know what that means. Um, it's a kind of a, a sexy term nowadays for a small business owner that becomes business owner or sole trader to become business owner. So. I, I am I am my core a salesperson. I'm not sure if I was to begin with, but my I left school, I didn't have any qualifications. Um, I was a ski instructor. And summer came and there was no snow and mum kicked me out of bed and she's like, gotta where, get a proper job. You're from UK, right? Yeah, the so UK, where yeah. the hell did you get snow in the UK? No, Scotland? I was a ski instructor in the ski resorts in Austria. Oh, I see, not in so, England. No, right? no, no. So how did you become a... We're going to go west. I've been skiing <laughs> since I was a kid. Right. And I took my... Uh, on a dry ski slope, I took all my ski okay. teaching exams. Okay. And uh, then I went to... I did two seasons in Kitzbühel in Austria. Amazing. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was the best time of my life when I think about it. But the summers, there's no snow, and so you've got to get a job. And I was working... I think I was working, you know, at the airports when they package the food that goes on the planes. Yes. So we didn't live, we didn't live far from an silver, airport. Silver trolley things. Chicken or beef, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so we, uh, a Sodexo or something. Anyway, okay. I, was, I was doing that for a month. Yes. Um, and it was horrific. How old, we, how old were we? Straight after school or college? 18, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then um, my mum worked in a recruitment consultancy and she said, right, I'm going to get you some job interviews. And she did. And one of them was a trainee car salesman at BMW. Another one was a trainee estate agent, and the other one was a trainee office equipment salesperson. Mm-hmm. Well, the BMW job came with a 316 BMW. Okay. That sold. It was Amazing. like, I didn't have a car, and then to go from that to and a you're BMW. you were still a teenager. Hmm. So wow. I was there for a month and got fired for having a bad attitude. And then the next best job was the office equipment job, which had a company car as well um, in London. And I went, to, I went to do that, and it was What epic. was the bad attitude? Oh, I don't know. Didn't I, turn up on time. No, or, no, I was there. You on were time disciplined. Here. I was probably cheeky and cocky, and <laughs> probably stepped out of line a few times, but just youthful exuberance, mm-hmm. immature. Do you remember all the jobs you got fired from? Because I don't. Um, uh, I got fired from that one. I've been fired so many times. It's just 
I didn't. I don't I've left I, companies. I don't think I've I've not had many jobs. Oh, right. Okay. So when I was a kid, I used to you know, collect glasses in a pub and work on a market yes. stall and mow lawns and stuff like that. But um, well, full time. But full time, I, I I did the ski instructing. Then I did the BMW job. Um, then I went into the office equipment industry, and 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 that's where I was really schooled in sales. I, I was taught by uh, really good people, but I was taught every day. Training was every day, five days a week. Wow. And I had to, for 18 months, knock on doors and make cold calls, literally, every day. Yes. But, the, but what I learned to deal with that, that other people don't deal with, is I learned to deal with um, rejection. Uh, because my boss said to me, he said, look, you've got, you got 99 people I want you to call right now. He goes, and I want you to ask them to give you a no. Wow. And I was like, what? And he's like, you're going to get no's, so look for the no's. And I was like, yes, okay, boss, but why? He said, because you've got to get 99 no's before you get a yes. Well, I was a kid. I didn't know any different. I wasn't, you know, quick with my thinking at that time. I was doing as I was told. So every phone call I got that someone said, not interested, don't like you, um, go away, stop calling me. I was like, oh, okay, thanks, bye. I need 99 anyway, so I've got to look for all these no's. Wow. So what then happened Wise is... Wise teacher. I wasn't, I wasn't fearful of the no. Whereas if you actually watch lots of salespeople, they become terrified of the telephone because of the rejection they get on it. Correct. It's not, it hasn't got teeth on it, has it? It's not going to bite them. Okay. But for me, it didn't, it didn't work like that. You know, I was like, oh, God, I've got to find the nose. And then somebody said yes. So that was 99 nose, one yes. And as I got a bit better, it was 49 nose and one yes. So two, two yeses out of 100 and then three yeses out of 100 and so on. And so, and again, knocking on doors every morning, you know, I, I learned to understand that people were going to reject me. And so guess what? You need to get rejection. Absolutely. And, and it just for those 18 months conditioned me really well. In a really competitive industry, um, yeah, and there were, but also when I went into the office the first time at that company, I saw there were people earning like money I couldn't even imagine, you know, I couldn't even dream of. That, there was guys earning £20,000 a month, and this is 1988, 1989, wow. and I'm like, whoa, holy what mother. Would, what would I do with all that what money? Would, <laughs> a, a month, it was like a month. <laughs> but then, then, yeah, then it was quite, quite literally something that, that I became accustomed to, worked in that industry for a few years. But I wasn't very good with money. And so every money, every, everything I earned, I spent. And so I'd heard about financial services and I heard that there was a possibility to earn more money in financial services. And so I found a company, went for a job interview, went up to Ipswich in Suffolk, and interviewed by this lady. I'll never forget her, Bryony. And she said, you're 23, you're too young. We need you to be at least 25. And so I went back and had dinner with my parents that night around the kitchen table. And my mum's like, so you're going to take that? I was like, no, <laughs> what are you going to do about it, son? And I was like, I'm going to go back and see if I can speak to the CEO. And the next day I went back and I just sat in his office in, in the lobby uh, for four hours and eventually he came and he's like, what do you want? And I'm like, your recruiter won't give me a job and I think I deserve one. Wow. Um, and then, then came the bit of luck because I think luck sometimes plays a part. My grandfather had just had a stroke. His father had just had a heart attack and they were in the same hospital at the same time. And so we then went to the hospital to see my granddad and see his, his dad at the same time. had something in common. And, yeah, and then he literally said, you've got to be in Hong Kong in seven days' time if you want this job. And this was before the internet. So getting a, an airline ticket meant you went to the travel agent. Everything yeah, was in Hong was, Kong. You think, what the hell? The other side yeah, of the world, yeah. So th that opportunity was so exciting, though. So you moved to Hong Kong? Hong Kong, sat on the end of my bed on the first night, second night, um, cried, cried my eyes out. Phoned my mum, I said, I want to come home. What am I doing yes. here? I'm on the other side of the world. This is nuts. And she said, Spencer, this company gave you a job. 
You have to give them your very best for three months. And if after three months, you're not happy, you can come home. But if I hear you quitting, no. You give three months of your best, then we'll talk about it. And I respect her for saying that because- Is that, your mom still with us? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well done. So, Amazing mom. Yeah, she was, t- she, was, she was good. And then, then because I was working on commission only, yeah. I had to survive. I didn't have much money. So they sent to Hong Kong, commission mm-hmm. only. Commission only, yeah. So and financial services takes time. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Things don't happen overnight. No, they don't. So the end of the month, and, I, and I, before I went, I got myself a Visa and a MasterCard, and I had £1,500 on each. To yeah, live on. To live on. And I, and I got to the end of the month, and... And this is when we had fax machines and stuff, yeah? And my mum sent me a fax of the statement. She goes, oh, I've got these two statements through for your credit card. You're almost and, to your limit. I was, at, I was at my limit. Yeah. And uh, she said, Spence, um, you're not going to be able to pay that from here. Shall I pay it for you and you pay me when you come home? <laughs> well, you and made it. She was doing it innocently. Yes, yes. She paid it. And then all of a sudden I had two £1,500 credit cards again. And, <laughs> and that literally it. gave me another month, okay, of being able to breathe and survive. And then I got going. And so I remember I earned, the second month I think I earned something like uh, 2,000 pounds. The third month was 3,000. The fourth month was 4,000. And then my mum sent me a, message, a fax message. She said, Spencer, the, your company's made a mistake. They've put 28,000 pounds in your bank account by mistake. Why don't you please give them a call and let them know so it can be returned? I was like, I'm not telling them. <laughs> I'm and not telling anyone. It. But you earned it? Well, it was I, a mistake. I, 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 as far as we all knew, it was a mistake. So she's like, uh, Spencer, phone them up and tell them they sent it by mistake. And so I called the office. I said, Look, I think there's been a payment made by mistake. And they went, no, that's your bonus, your quarterly bonus. Wow, we're going to hit the target. I know, it's like... £28,000. It was like I'd won the lottery. Sure. It lasted about Even a it lasted, I think it lasted about a month, but, but it was just huge. I bought a first class ticket straight back to London to go and see all my friends. I'm like, sure. yeah, I'm living sure. the dream. Um, and yeah, I, kind of, I went through this whole kind of like early days experience. But once, what I learned about financial services, it was a lot easier than office equipment. And my first day on the phones in the office in Hong Kong, I made 14 appointments. Okay. Well, nobody else in the company had ever made 14 appointments. Some because never had, in a week. You had a good upbringing. Because I knew you rejection. Had, yes. I knew how to deal with people on the telephone. So when you, when you call for financial services, you call up, I want to help you with your finances. And people back then, they didn't have the internet or Bloomberg or, or CNBC. They couldn't do their own research. Yes. Financial Times and the Wall Street Journal. So people were more accepting of having a meeting. And so, yeah, I was just on the phone. And you're a 23-year-old kid yeah. going to help more wealthier probably yeah. clientele with yeah. the finances so my boss said to me yeah you know, I know what you're going to say my boss said to me no one's going to trust a spotty 23 year old mm-hmm. kid alright with their life savings and so he gave me a box with nine books in he said if I find you in a bar or a nightclub you're fired so get those books read and come and summarise them so I went read the books so that was your product homework no it's horrific it was a language I didn't speak. Mm. Imagine mutual funds and options and swaps and warrants and financial markets. It was like, what is this world? Sure. And, and I, I went back and with the books, gave him the summary, and he gave me another box of nine books. Amazing. Ian Moulding, I'll never so forgive in, him. In, such, in, in, in a funny way, you've had really good coaches. Yeah. Like you said, nothing happens just by luck, right? Right. Labour on the calculated knowledge, right? So you're working your ass off and you get to create your own luck. And also you were selling when you really weren't an expert on the product. That's... Yeah. Because a lot of salespeople say need to know everything before they go out there selling. And that's not right, is it? 
You don't have to know the ins and outs of your products to go out selling. Do you know what? There are two types of salespeople. Those people, I can't do anything unless I know everything. Yes. And the people that, it's like the steak and the scissors, isn't it? You know, do you really need to know what cow it came from, what the cow's mm. name was and what it was eating? Okay, do you need to know what it tastes like? This is what I find. I find weak salespeople, they won't even go out there unless they have a business card. I can't go out there unless you print me a business card. Then I can't go out there unless I know the ins and outs of these services. I said, no, no, no. Sales is about relationship building, right? Mm -hmm. Building trust. So how long did you, were you in Hong Kong? Not long. A um, few months, went to live in Thailand. So I was in Bangkok then for a year. Same company? Same company, then to Malaysia, wow. Kuala Lumpur. And then I left there and then I decided to set my own business up. And my father was working in Nigeria in the oil industry and he had lots of people earning lots of money and he said, come over here. So I set my business up with grand plans. And, went, and I'd been in Financial Nigeria services. as a boy. Yeah. And I got there and the, the opportunity was huge. So that was great. Nobody wanted to live in Nigeria. So it was almost impossible to recruit people unless they were kind of like... There were the rejects. Of the, the rejects yeah. or Nobody the people that were them. dying or the alcoholics, all yes, those types yes. of people, yeah. And I didn't want those. So I stayed in Nigeria for two years. You still stuck it out for yeah. two years. Amazing. Yeah, my dad was there though, so it was a bit mm. easier. Um, and then after that two years, I then went to join another company because I couldn't make it on my own. Uh, I surrendered to that, joined another company, and that was the beginning of me helping build a business. And I went to Sao Paulo, Brazil. So you've literally traveled the world. I've lived in 10 countries. And how long were you in? Which one's your favorite Brazil. and why? Brazil. Why? Uh, keep it clean. You no, know, I went there with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> keep it clean. <laughs> Brazi the the Bra Brazilians um, have a very sarcastic sense of humor. Where did you meet your wife before you go to Brazil? Uh, in England. No, I, actually, I met my wife in Bangkok. No, it's a long story. My first wife went to the school next to my school in England. But? I was in Bangkok at a friend's house for dinner, and she, she was there. Out. You recognize But she was other. also there with her boyfriend, who used to be my classmate. And we hung out together for a few days. They weren't actually together anymore, but they were catching up. She was there for a job interview with an advertising yes. agency, yes. and he was backpacking. And so we just hung out. It was like good old memories. Um, and she said, look, I'm going to be moving to Bangkok. I said, oh, right, I'm, I'm going to be leaving soon. And so she had the choice of deciding whether she went to Bangkok and stayed there or not. And um, So she came with you? So she came with me to Nigeria. Wow. Um, you got married when you were in Nigeria? got married before Nigeria because she couldn't get a visa unless she was married to me. I um, won't say it was love or convenience, but a bit of both, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have rules about marriage. People should never get married until they're at least 30 men anyway. How old were you? I don't think men are mature enough. I was 26. Okay. I didn't know anything. I was a dad at 26. Were you? Yeah. Yeah, I was an idiot at 26. Yeah, but my <laughs> wife was four years older, so I oh, used okay. her to, to <laughs> make me more mature. Up, yeah. yeah, I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I, yeah, I kind of... I, I lived in Brazil and, I, and, and again, I, I went to countries where people said there wasn't business opportunities. So, I know until then you were spending the money you were earning, but when you went to Brazil, you had a wife, right? Mm -hmm. So you had other responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Did that put extra pressure on you? No, because I was, I was very fortunate with money because I know how to make money okay. and so as a salesman. Yes. And so selling financial services, I, I knew how to do that. I, I, I was noted as being one of the best in the world at doing it in the international financial arena. And I'm not, I don't want to say that as a brag, but I just, was, I, the results I, were I, just I was good at it. And 
and, and it, it wasn't a challenge for me. It wasn't, it wasn't difficult for me. Again, I'd been schooled well. Yes. I've been schooled in sales well. I've been schooled with tough love in financial markets. My boss taught me when I was 23 that no one's going to trust you unless you know your shit. And so I had to know my subject. Um, and so when you know your subjects, plus you know how to sell, plus you've got a lot of confidence and more energy than anyone you know, and you yeah. want it, you want to yes. make it. You know, I was bullied chronically at school, mm. and I, I so badly wanted to prove the bullies wrong. And I reckon up until even to the age of maybe 40 years old, I still wanted to prove the bullies wrong. I still have that within me. Mm. I want to show them. Yeah. I met one of them once. I met one of them who was still two feet taller than me. <laughs> 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 and from time to time, I kind of go on Facebook, go like, you fat bastard. Yeah, yeah. You, the time wasn't good to you. I might just drop you a line and see. <laughs> if yeah. Mark Fowler, Justin Zimmerman, yeah. and um, Rolf Eastwood, James Phillips Strang, are listening to this. Yeah. yeah. The and last day I was in school, you. I took it because I was the, I was the first. I, I opened the door for all colored people to my school. I was the first foreigner, first non white person. My sports teacher you, used to call me Black Cherry. My sports teacher. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, it, was, it was tough. So last day. My sports teacher used to fancy my mum. That's why I was always in the rugby team. <laughs> oh, no, no. I had that. I had that as well. I, waiting for my mum to pick up the pick me up. And they were going, oh, she's not bad. I'm like, that's my mum. Stop it. <laughs> so, uh, actually, my mum's still hot. So is mine. So, yeah. <laughs> there you are. So just in case they're watching. She's the first one to press like on my post. My mum was the first one to come on my Facebook live. She said, Where's your tie? Why are you live? Yeah, amazing. So, um, yeah, so you always had this thing about money, right? That you could earn it. Money came easy to you. What is money to you? What is money, what is money to you? It didn't come easy. I just yeah, you worked for it, but it came to you, right? You attracted yeah. it. What does it mean for me? Yeah, what is money to you? What is money? Money's a burden. Um, uh, having money is, has been, for me, one of the most dangerous um, things in my life. Because unless you're smart with it and you do sensible things with it, it can take you down dodgy paths. And so I'm actually, I'm, I, I love being the underdog. And I think when I'm the underdog, I'm in a better place. Than so, being comfortable, too comfortable. Yeah, and um, yeah, money, money's not good for me. So I, 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 yeah, if you said to me, Spencer, million dollars and you come second place, $50,000 you come first place. You take the, I'll take the first place. Yeah. You can keep the money. I, I, it, the significance for me is winning. Yes. And that's just, that's just me and I'm not suggesting But you know subconsciously that the money will come, right? If you do the right things and become first. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah I, I, I have an assistant called Sarah. She's been 15 years working with me. I've never used internet banking ever once in my life. I, I have a, a credit no card apps, and no a debit card and I don't have anything. She manages all of that. She could have emptied my bank accounts twice over for all I know. Yes. As long as I've got enough money, okay, to put food on the table and do whatever I need to do, I'm not motivated. You know, I was. I went through a period of, you know, needing all the watches and the cars and everything yes. else. But it, it has no significance. And, and so I, as long as I've got enough to do what I want to do, then I'm fine. And I don't know what I want to do tomorrow, so there's no point worrying about it. So you that. don't have a plan? Because one of my questions is, where do you see yourself in three years or five years? Yeah. Are you taking a day at a time? I don't, I, I, I don't like those types of goals. I like, I like to look at what's going to happen this year and what my objective is around 
what what matters to me emotionally um but yeah I, I lo loads of people have these three and five year goals for their business that danielle my business partner has helped build out the, the group of companies that we've got they're worth a lot of money yeah and and when they're sold um, i'm going to have an, a huge amount of money which will probably be very dangerous for me still okay be yeah because yeah and so i i, I just my, my wife could spend it easily <laughs> but yeah i just i'm not motivated by money not at all motivated by, I, i'm motivated by winning i'm motivated by significance mm -hmm. i'm motivated by you know recognition and and that's, that, that, that's what matters to that's me that's interesting um we're going to go back to uh, brazil but um <laughs> you know james khan who's yeah, the yeah. dragon's Den? yeah yeah he's recruitment my, guy he's my next door neighbor in oh, thailand cool. so i was having a chat with him and he saw at age 40 he sold his company for 100 million pounds and just before selling it, um, he took some advice who, somebody, from somebody else who sold the company for hundreds of millions of pounds. And the guy said, take a million out, don't touch the 99 million for one year. And he said it was the best advice he ever had because he just went and blew the million, yes? And then he couldn't wait to get a 99 million, but he had time to plan. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he added to the 99 million, but the best thing he did was put it aside for a year. So maybe that's an advice that yeah, yeah do we'll that. see. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have. <laughs> don't, we'll give don't give we'll me that. Don't give me that. But yeah, I don't need much money though. I mean, mm. a, lot, a lot, a lot of people think that that you know I'm uh, I'm Mr. Successful financially, and th that kind of image they have of me is fine for them to have. But not a lot of people know how I live my life. I don't live a flamboyant lifestyle. I did years ago. Yes. I live quite humbly, you know. Um, I don't, I don't go clothes shopping and car shopping and stuff like that. I get up on a Friday morning and I go hiking, cost me nothing, okay? I'll go wakeboarding, might cost me a bit, but not much. Um, I get up every morning, okay, I have to pay for a personal trainer. So, but I need that for my discipline to be yeah, successful yeah. at work. You are disciplined, I just, right? You're disciplined. Yeah, I just, but I just don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need, I don't need it. If a shirt's a shirt, a handbag's a handbag. These things aren't just, they have no significance to me. Again, other people I know these things matter and they want money for security. Um, but I think as we get a little bit older, we're less frivolous mm -hmm. anyway mm -hmm. because you kind of go through a cycle of doing that, those yeah. stupid things. You have two daughters. Yes, I do, yeah. They're uh, self-supportive. You don't have to support them anymore because... No, my, both of them I support. Uh, oh, you still do, right? Yeah, so because you have they've got university fees to pay and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. And that's my responsibility. It's amazing. I never went to uni. I wanted to send them to uni, and I think that I sent them to a really expensive private school as well. Mm -hmm. And I kind of regret that now. Why? Because I, I sent them there because of my ego. Not that it was the there. best thing for them. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's the best thing in terms of education. Have you asked them? Um, Are they happy? Are they happy now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're, they're, one, my, one of them was bullied, which I kind of like because I'm like that. I help you. Mm -hmm. um, and the other one wasn't. But I just. For the money that was spent, was it what? Who was I? Who was I trying to give a better to life to or prove something? Yes, I, I, and it was all about you know, it was about me telling you they went to a fancy school rather than them getting a good education. Yes, and I think a little bit like that with university as well. That, that I want them to experience it, and you know, my eldest is already at a great university, but I think there's a little bit of me. I said to, it's sixty-five thousand pounds a year, yeah. So there's four years of uni, 65,000. And let's imagine 
I put a deposit down on an apartment each year for three years. Yeah, you have okay. eight apartments. Thank okay. you so much. They've got three. They've got three apartments. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And what would you rather have? A kid that's almost a millionaire by the time they're twenty-five, and in 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 uh, equity and real estate, um, or a great education? Because all that way through that period of time, they'd be for the first there. every time. But the thing is, your kids probably have a lot of common sense because they watch their dad and they listen to your dad. Most kids don't have that. Let me explain what happened to my son. My son works with me. You met him. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. And I sat down with him, and being Iranian, you have to be either be an engineer, a doctor, or a lawyer, or some something like that. And um, I had a lot of pressure from my family saying that he has to go to university. I'm dyslexic, so it's just an excuse not to go to university. <laughs> and um, and people didn't understand dyslexia then. They're just a lot of stupid. And um, I sat down with him and I said, do you want to go? He said, I actually, I can go to university anytime I want, but I don't want to go working in McDonald's to go to university. I want to go to university in my Ferrari. I thought, that's a good one. Then I went to asking people who were saying he should go to university. And do you know what the common thing was? Always have education just in case. Just in case. In case and I'm there for 18 years. I'm telling him, there is no, burn your boats laser beam focus there is no just in case and that's probably the most motivated thing they could say to me to tell him don't go to education because there is no just in case once you decide right something to fall back on yeah what's that about right exactly so and he's prospering he's doing well Uh, he he picks up spanish and learns spanish in three months picks up mandarin book and learns mandarin in year Smart kid. Mm. Common sense, but I learned from mum and Better dad. looking than his dad as well. No. <laughs> <laughs> when I was 26, I was far better looking. <laughs> and hairier. And hairier. So, um, going back to Brazil. I don't want to. So, oh. how long were you in Brazil? Four years. Amazing place. Do you miss it? Yeah, yeah. I was in Sao Paulo. Um, Crime? I never saw anything. Remember, I'd just come out of Nigeria. So, after Nigeria, <laughs> Brazil was sure. a holiday camp. Um, never saw any crime. Heard about it. Um... The, the economic hub of South America is Sao Paulo. So I was in this huge city, but Brazilians have got a really sarcastic sense of humor. And so as I started to watch TV, I realized they laugh at the same thing that the Brits laugh at. And that's when I realized that, that we were gonna get on. Yes. Um, now, that can be terrible with their timekeeping sometimes, but, and I remember I was giving financial advice to expats and I met a Brazilian guy and he's like, what? why are you doing it to expats and not Brazilians? I was like, well, because that's what I do. And he's like, is there any other reason than that's what you do? You didn't do? speak Portuguese? Not at the time, no. You know now, you speak now. Yeah, well, I learned to speak Amazing. the language. I've probably lost a load of it since, but anyway, yeah. Um, and what, what happened is he introduced me to a couple of Brazilians and they introduced me to a couple of Brazilians and it went from people investing $100,000 a time to people start investing a million dollars a time. Okay. And your skill set was the same. You yeah, were doing the same, the same thing, yeah. just the customer base. Yeah, and I was a bit of a novelty money. over there in the nineties because I'd mm. have my stripy suit on and my double cuffs, and you know I looked like Steed from the Avengers. Yes. Wow. <laughs> um, you know this this kind of like British you know guy, and there's something about being British that in the Americas they they, they, they think of it. us as being. Intelli- straight. intelligent straight and honest yes, yeah. yes, yes. and so that's the kind of until we, came, we became the bad guys in Hollywood every bad movie is an English guy and the bad guy is the English guy right? <laughs> yeah. Boris Johnson yeah yeah. <coughs> yeah but yeah so Brazil, Brazil was a great country so why did you leave um, I did four years in Brazil um, I wanted 
I'd, 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 and I travelled a lot, so I was responsible for the for the everywhere Me- Mexico South, and I'd fly to Mexico City for eleven and a half hours from Sao Paulo for a half day meeting, and then fly back again. So it's a lot of travel. And Did you start managing staff then? Yeah, yeah. I had my first management job at twenty six okay. in, in Brazil, and so I had an office in Buenos Aires, an office in. Um, uh, in Venezuela in Caracas one in Lima in Peru one in um, Santiago in Chile one in Panama City and one in Mexico City so I travelled a lot I loved it I loved it loved it but we'd been there a few years we decided to go back closer to Europe and then I moved then to Egypt to set an office up in Cairo and then which I didn't like Cairo at all I struggled there then I moved to Milan which I liked even less um, I didn't enjoy that. Is this because opportunities came along, or you? No, this was a company that I was building. Okay. So was, I was building a company. Well, this uh, is still your own business. No, it wasn't. I was one of the shareholders and okay. directors, but it wasn't my own business. Um, and so we needed to open up offices, and so that's what I was doing. And then I went to Holland, and the company never had success in Holland. And it was like there's no there's no big money in Europe. The money's in these you know far flung unusual places. Um, and I'd, I, there, there has never been a better place for me in my career in terms of revenue generation as a financial advisor than Holland. Um, I was in Amsterdam and it was it was incredible. Wow! Because where you, I go to Amsterdam regularly for maybe the wrong reasons, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I never. <laughs> I'm sure I mean, you had a great time. Yeah, it was it was great for business. And I, what my wife said to me at the time is, "Can I stay in the UK for a while, get to see my family again? We've been overseas a few years. You set up in Holland and, yes. and, and forty-five minute flight. Yeah, yeah, forty-five minute. Okay, I was out of Schiphol into Stansted or London City, and that worked a treat for a while. But then what started to happen is we started just to grow apart. Drifting. And as we grew apart, then the relationship started to die. And when it when it started to die, then it became. So your so your children are from your first. Marriage. Children are from my wow, first marriage. Wonderful. And then, uh, why do you, how come you ended up here in Dubai? So we bought a company here, and there was myself and two other guys that owned the company. And one of them was in Hong Kong, the other one was in in Europe. And then there was me that was kind of moaning that I didn't like living in Amsterdam. Yes. And by buying that company, it meant that, that so my life was every weekend in the, in the UK with two very small children. And one would be strapped to my chest, one would be in a backpack on my back, and my little girls would be with me. And, and I was a dad at the weekend. And I was a 14-hour worker for my business during the week. So I had no life. I wasn't yes. meeting anyone to move on. Nothing like that was happening. Do you feel exhausted? No, exhausted. Lonely. Mm. Okay, I felt lonely yes. at the weekend. It's like when you've got two small kids. You're giving, you're giving, yeah, you're yeah. giving. So by coming to Dubai, it meant that I could um, have one weekend here and one weekend there. So I'd alternate weekends. Yes. Which meant I could start having a life again. So that how, was How long ago was this? 2005. January 2005. Well, it was quite recently. Fantastic. Ago. Yeah. So you've seen the Dubai change and develop yeah. and grow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, really. So you opened up your own business here. You were coming here one week. So I didn't open up my own business, so I helped grow the company. So the company was called Devere. Um, oh, right, you were involved in Devere. I know yeah, I was well. there from yeah. the beginning. And so we went from there. We started building it. We bought a company here. There were 12 people when I arrived. Mm. We got rid of most of them, and then we started to build from there. Um, and it, it was hugely successful here yes. um, and in Abu Dhabi and across the Middle East yes. and on that, that went for a number of years um, and I earned outrageous amounts of money and became an arrogant, arrogant obnoxious shit to be honest with you. What made you realise? What um, happened for you to go, I don't like the person I am today? I got, I got a little bit bored at one stage but I was earning a lot of money. I didn't realise until... You uh, were single then? I, no, I was with somebody else then. Okay. I got fired. 
And when I got fired, my world came crumbling down around me. And Because you were arrogant. At the, the time, I was a victim, you know. But it, it, took, me bling, a couple bling, of years, it took me a couple of years to work out that actually I was the problem. Um, and yeah, and I lost my job and it, it was my life. 16 years I'd been there building that company. Yes. Um, sacrificed so much for it. Um, it was my DNA, it was who I was, you know. I, yes. I felt very connected to it. And so then after... After that happened, yeah, my life became very empty and very, um, very dark. It was very self-reflecting. I saw some of your videos and you get quite emotional talking about those times. Mm. Yeah, they were tough no. times. And how long did that period last? A year. No, I probably am still struggling today. Well, why? Because in the eyes of many and me, you're an amazing success. And you're yeah, motivated, you're positive, you're a force for good. And everybody thinks that about you. I think it's like, it's, it's, it's the measurement that, that you can see that allows you to be measured. So if you're being measured by other people but you can't see that measurement, yardstick so. gauge yourself, what, it has no context. Um, at that, in that part of my career before, there was, it was measured, everything was measured, significance, all, the, all these things in the, within the business. And when, that's why I don't like to call myself an entrepreneur. I find it a really lonely place, and mm. I think the world has been pretty lonely and, and dark for me since 2012. And I, I'm not entirely sure, and I've, I thought about this a lot, I'm not entirely sure I'm fully recovered. And whilst I've gone on to do other things, Thank you for being so honest, man. No, I really okay. respect and appreciate it. Whilst I've gone on to do other things, other people's perception of your life is... is not is, necessarily what, how you feel. No, not yeah. at all. Um, and me, I, you know, I said the other night on my Facebook Live, I, I like to be one of the gang more than I like to be the leader of the pack. Mm. And there were people on there that were like, bullshit, you are a leader, Spencer. Mm -hmm. You know, some people that had worked for me in the past as well. And, and, and maybe, maybe... A leader but likes to be one of the pack as well I don't know but for me yeah I, I'm not entirely sure I fully recovered I think I had an element of Stockholm syndrome um, and so you got used to beating yourself up um, beating myself up you know internal dialogue not very quite abusive well, I was I was suicidal at one stage um, that was all that was going to happen. My dad intervened there, got me into the priory. So I'm trying to recount the, the timeline. After that, I then, I then, I had support from good people. Danielle and Sarah have been like epic people, ep epic human beings. Because um, they we, believed in you. Yeah. And then when we set up, when we, when we set up the Blue Sky Thinking Group with the companies we had, when I asked Danielle if she wanted to run it, it's because I, I wasn't enjoying it. It wasn't, it wasn't feeding my soul. And so Danielle said yes, and I said great. She said on one condition, you know, give me the car park pass. I'm like, you've got one. She's like, I know, but I don't want you to come to the office. If I'm gonna be the boss, I want you to respect that. I, and, and remember that everyone knows you own this. Allow me to try and be the boss. Give me, give me the freedom to do that. And she was right. So then again, I felt lost again. I was like, oh, hold on a minute here. I've just said, do you want to run the business? She said yes, and you're I've just I've own. just now fired myself. Yes. So I'd gone from being fired to now firing myself, and people matter to me. Being around people matters yes. to me. Um, 
there's nothing more more destructive for me than to be to be commercially you lost your way yeah oh absolutely now don't get me wrong i will i will gladly travel on my own i'll gladly you know i'm happy to do that I, i'm the guy that will sit and read a book of an evening on my own you, my like, wife's your, you like your own space very much but so. you lost your path i don't trust anybody anymore that's a weird thing to say but there were lots of people at that company before when i got fired that i thought were my friends mm-hmm. and i found out they weren't and that hurt and it really hurt and so thinking that people are your friends and they're not and you're like and, and also had been told by the company don't speak to Spencer and they did and, and well, they obviously had their jobs to be considerate you know, I, have, I have people that have, that have become my friends since that were there and they're like we, we weren't allowed to talk to you um, and that's really sad but yeah I, I and so why, why I love what I do right now is I love to have impact on people why I hate what I do right now is that I am still the boss and I, I'm not a great fan of that. Interesting. Yeah. I'll give you a quick, if you don't mind me. About 2001, I opened up a company called AMCAT, American Computer and Telephone. And we were the first um, auto-dialers in the whole of UK. Do you remember before you used to have manually dialing? Yeah. yeah. Well, we put the automatic dialers in. And um, they didn't give me employment. It was an American company. They gave me an employment contract. I grew it to a 30, 40 million pound business a year. And they fired me. They owed me 1.5 million pounds in commission. Okay. I took him to the industrial tribunal and I won 15,000 pounds because a judge couldn't understand how a salesman can earn 1.5 million pounds. Long story short, they fired the sales manager, but his court case was a month before mine. There was an accountant there who was 62. He was my uh, squash colleague at the health club I used to go to. When he got fired, he had nowhere to go. I gave him a job at this company. The guy who was taking the company to court because he was fired and he was owed commission, I was his witness in his court case. He won half a million pounds, right? Behind the scene, he wrote a deal with these guys that if they pay him half a million, he won't be my witness in my court case. The accountant that I hired never spoke to me again. And I had to come home to my family to say I won the court cases 15,000 pounds and I gave him two years of my life. So I know how you feel. Mm. I felt gutted. I felt mm. absolutely gutted. But here's the thing. Two years later, the 60-year-old guy died in a squash court and of a heart attack, unhappy. Yes, his wife came to me and apologized for what he'd done to me. Never, I don't know what happened to the other guy. But he, sorry to say, but... Um, the founder of AMCAT, I googled him a couple of years ago, he was shot dead in Oklahoma by his own son. His sales director, you know, karma is a funny thing. Mm. His, the guy who he brought to the UK to set up that company, mm-hmm. they were devout Catholics, found out that his child wasn't his. Incredible, no? Mm. Wow. So who ended up being happy? Me. Although the the pain was terrible there, and I was ashamed that people would say, didn't you have a contract with these people? I said, no, every time I asked for a contract, they pulled the Bible out. I was like, religion is more important than the Bible. Honestly, than a contract, you know, lessons, very expensive lessons. So I've been there, mate. I've been there. And it's, but you gave them 16 years. So um, Mm. how long ago was this? 2012. Wow, quite recently. So what was that turning point? What was the turning point where you thought, enough feeling sorry for myself, I'm gonna 
I'm going to make a difference in this world, which you are. Well, at the end of 2012, we set the new company up. So I'd come through the depression and everything else by then, or partially. Was it just a matter of time, slow process, or somebody slapped you in the face and wake up? A bit of everything. Okay. Um, and then we set the new business up. That ran for a couple of years, um, till 2016. Uh, so that was three years. Danielle then took it over, and then I went off to create my online university and learn about social media and all that kind of stuff and that's then really when I got into the, the space that I'm in now um, yeah and that's that's where I find myself today you're a consultant you're a sales and marketing consultant also that's you right, help yeah. businesses tell me about the three areas when you walk into a business because I feel as a sales because I'm a sales and marketing consultant not sure. as successful as you are by any means but this two or three things the moment I walk in I can pick up on what are those two or three things that you pick up on the first priorities or lowest hanging fruits that you deal with when you go into an organization quality of the staff uh, that's always recruitment always, so they recruit to the wrong people always always a problem always a problem you can you can if you've got experience you can sense that a mile off um, when I sit down um, structure uh, and attitudes or morale and stuff like that mm -hmm. you notice that very quickly mm -hmm. as you walk into a business um, that any company that's doing really well doesn't typically want to see you yes um, you don't have a headache right so <coughs> and any company that, yeah and any company that isn't doing very well or as well as they could do um, is open to a conversation but um, I don't I haven't been to one company yet that isn't in desperate need of help and I don't mean in need of some help in desperate need of help yes. and I find it staggering that companies pay me money to teach them stuff that they don't apply yes they don't apply do they it's, it's I, like I, going to the gym you pay every month and never go it's nuts on a larger scale it's nuts it's genuinely nuts there's, there's companies that I deal with that go yeah 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 give me money every month and then don't apply and I'm it's that it's just not difficult becoming successful isn't difficult okay um, there's, a, there's a formula there's skills you need to learn it's, it's not difficult but people just don't you know what I buy. think it is I think it's habits of course it is they're going through bad habits and to break a habit is really painful and losing money is not as painful as changing a bad habit I think that smoking's a bad habit when your doctor says which is hard to give up yeah but when your doctor says one more of those in your mouth and you're going to get cancer it's very easy to give up but then Patrick Swayze smoked himself to death are you with me? some people do but some most, people, most do. people if you had 100 people in this room right now and they're all smokers and the doctor said one more we know one more of those is going to kill you yes people will put it out and they won't but do you know it. what I think I think if somebody says it's going to kill you I think 50 will go yeah somebody's going to go what the hell but if it's just going to kill your kid or your wife or your loved one, mm. they actually become more reactive, they become more passionate about yeah. the change. Agreed. Because it's somebody they love. Agreed. Than their own pain. Defo. Amazing. Amazing. Mm. So, we were discussing this earlier. My contracts with my clients don't last more than three months. I say thank you, goodbye, because I get bored right and I get frustrated and I get angry and one thing happens quite regularly if the owner hires me the right-hand persons try to sabotage my work most of the time and I tell you my experience because they feel insecure because they've been in that comfortable position for such a long time 
and this consultant comes along and does things differently. So they try to sabotage, and I can't be bothered with that fight. Has, does that happen to you, or is it just me? Yeah, I don't get it. It's me. Um, <laughs> I have to look in the mirror <laughs> for that one, right? It's me. I mean, there's some people that feel threatened, but no, what I find, what I find quite Maybe funny... Maybe I can learn from it. How do you avoid that? Well, you, you, you have like salespeople and sales management, and then the CEO, and as far as I'm concerned, the biggest problem is always the boss. Right. All right? The, the problem Even is... Even the guy who hired you. The, yeah? the, the, the CEO is responsible. Sure. Now, if he's not prepared to change anything, Okay, but he wants these people down here to be changed. Yes. Then he's he's only going to once I'm out of out of the door, he's only going to go back to type. So I've got to change him first, or fix him, or whatever needs to be done there. But then I need to have the, the then the next step done, which is to deal with the leadership, the management mm-hmm. of the company. And I find it astonishing that people want you to go in and do sales training, but they don't want you to train the leaders, or the leaders don't entertain the training themselves. There's one company I go to regularly, and there's. And the I, manager do, doesn't show I do up, leadership is, coaching yes. with them, and I'm like, guys, you're the leaders. Your sales team has got 100 people in here. Okay, each one of you has got 20, 30 people that you run. Okay, be at the training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they, they find reasons not to. And they find reasons not. To. And it's like, how do? You, I'm doing your job for you. I'm training your team because you don't know or you're not committed to doing it. Do you not think it might be wise that you learn what I do so that you can replicate it yourself? And then you understand why they're doing the things they're doing because. You've it's seen it common and heard, sense, yeah. isn't it? I'm sure anyone listening or watching this right now will go, they do what? You know, because it's common sense. But it's, uh, it's how it is. So are you doing more consultancy? Yeah, I like doing corporate work. Um, I enjoy working with companies and I, I, like, I enjoy seeing the change and that's why I stay for longer. So I go once a month and work with them that way wow. um, over a 12-month period. And I, and I enjoy doing that because I like to see what's going to happen at the end. It's like, yes. it's for me. And, and also I build great relationships with people and uh, that... What I find is there's a lot of people here in town that want my services, individuals, yes. but people aren't prepared to pay for it. Yes. Because so do you do what, group sessions or do you, if so they can't do, afford it? I have an online university, so people that, people that want to learn how to sell, the university's there. It's 26 courses, 450 videos and tests that go with everything, the A to Z of sales. So as far as I'm concerned, if you haven't got the budget to pay for me and my time, there's the online product that can do that for you. Whilst you tell me, how do they sign up to that? The viewers and the listeners. Go to spencerlodge.tv um, online and you'll find it there. Is it a one set price or is it different? It's $97 a month. That's fantastic. It's a membership site. You can stay in as long as you want. There's a, I think there's a 14 or a 30 day free trial as well. Go and have a look. Amazing. I'm quite proud of it. It's probably, it's probably the thing I'm most proud of actually. Because you invested so much time Man, it took it. me a long time, like yes. a long time to, I mean, in the studios and stuff. 450 videos. That's amazing. It's like, there's a lot. I don't know if it was 450 things about sales, but well done to you, man. <laughs> I respect that. I, I, I'm like, this. I, I, seven. Seven is my number. After about nine, I get, I get uh, yeah, dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations. Only one of those seven things. Why is he giving me 450? Yeah, congratulations. The funny thing is, I... I do seminars and I sometimes see the same faces going to another seminar. And I, seminar junkies. Yeah, and it frustrates the hell out of me. Go out there and do something. Take action. I love it. I, I saw a guy at a seminar the other day and I, he's like, hi Spencer, how are you? And I'm like, Again? I keep I keep seeing you, don't I? I said, have you ever bought anything? Have you ever invested in yourself? Just because of the free seminar. Is that, no, 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 but I think I might do soon. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, it must be at least yeah. three years that I've yeah, been seeing yeah. you at events. 
Don't let the for your audience, whoever's listening and watching this, don't be a donut. Stop going to seminars and not doing anything about it. Take some action. Invest in yourself because if you invest in yourself, you might get somewhere. Absolutely, there's growth. Um, About 20 years ago, I attended a wedding. Now I'm Muslim born, but this was a Jewish wedding, and I actually have Jewish people and Baha'is and Christians in my family. And I sat next to a rabbi, and. They, uh, on a wheelchair, they brought in the grandfather of the bride. And he just started saying, you know, he's not going to be living here long on this planet once. And, uh, but I'm happy if he goes. So what do you mean? Because uh, I, I, I've buried many people, and there's three types. I said, what are they? He goes, one is that they get to grand old, you, you know this? Right. So you get to grand old age, and... Um, the families around them they had a really good life and it's time to go and they say goodbye and they're gone. I'm really happy for them. Then the ones who are really in pain and uh, we all wish that they, for them the pain go away, that they pass. And I'm happy for them also. Yeah. Because of the worst death I've ever seen is the ones who are old and have regrets. And that's the worst. And, I, and that was so powerful. You know, it came from an angle I never expected it. And I thought, I never want to sit on that rocking chair. Mm-hmm. I wish I did this. I, I, I should have done this. I should have done this. And um, I try to live a life where I tick all the boxes as long as it doesn't harm or hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. Intentionally. Mm-hmm. Sure. Intentionally. It's a good way to be. So my respect to you, man. So what's um, in store for you over the next 11 months? Um... I have, I'm going to the South Pole in December because I, I like to climb mountains and do adventurous stuff. Is so. there a mountain in South Pole? I think it's all yeah, South Pole. It's, it, yes, uh, Vincent Massif, and that's 4,800 uh, meters. So there's a mountain in Antarctica wow. to, to climb. Minus so you're going with degrees. a bunch of people? Or? So yes, I'll go on an expedition. We'll be gone for I think, 25 days. Well, is there a meetup group? Like say, <laughs> how, do you, how do you find these people who want to climb this mountain in South Pole? How does that happen? There's a company called Madison Mountaineering, and they put the they put it together. They're based in. And you uh, climbed mountains before? Yeah, yeah. Four thousand eight hundred. Yeah, it's not very high, but it's, it's not. High. No, it's not but high. Of course, it's going to be oxygen, cold winds. Not oxygen, but just minus thirty degrees winds, towing a sled behind you, walking on skis. So yeah. And how long is this process going to take? Twenty five days. And you're gonna to fly to Argentina or something? Yeah, you fly. To, you fly from here to Holland, Holland to Argentina, Argentina. Take your boat down. Argentina down to wherever it is that there's a, an airport down the bottom of it, and then you you get on another flight and you go across. No, you actually go to Argentina, then to Santiago. From Santiago, you fly down to Antarctica. There's a landing strip down there. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, you're gonna meet a bunch of people, and you're gonna walk. We're on skis. And yeah. then on skis. People died from this? Uh, oh, uh, yeah, there's a danger. Yeah. You Googled it, right? And Google, yeah. yeah. How many people do? have died? What's the most dangerous yeah, 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 thing yeah, I yeah. can do? Yeah. And you're, you, you're married again, right? You said, yeah, my wife, Anna, yeah, she and hates it. And she's okay with you going? No, she hates it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went last year to Ecuador to do my glacier training to get ready to summit Everest. And while I was in Ecuador, uh, 11 people died on Everest. And I got a message from my wife saying, you're not going. You have two choices, divorce or me. And so, oh, divorce. Like, Mm. Yeah, there was forever. So, like, give me twenty-four hours. I'll come back to oh, you. You know what? <laughs> it was touch and go there. Yeah. It really was. It really was because I really want to climb Everest. Mm. You know, um, so that that from I, when I do stuff like that, it's really good for my soul because it's all I focus on while I'm doing it. I, I lose all of the other issues that are going on in the world and focus on that. In terms of, 
other things that are going on, work-related. Wait a minute, when is that? 26th of December. Are you attached to a charity or something, or you know, there's no charity or anything? Will, yeah, we'll be attached mm -hmm. to a charity, but um, that'll be announced. I'll be working with Maria uh, Conciusao, who's got the Maria Christina Foundation, where wow. she takes the children out of Bangladesh and she gets them internationally educated. Um, so I, everything I do will be with her. For her. She let me know because I like to support you. Oh, wonderful! Thank okay. you. Um, and then, yeah, there's various events that I'll be doing, and and you know, there's we've got the big broker event coming up, which is uh, all, all, all of the real estate brokers in Dubai will be there. Um, we have Les Brown coming, as you know, yes. with Ching, which is fairly soon. Um, and then, yeah, I'm busy with my podcast. Obviously, I really enjoy doing that. Like, I'm having fun with you now. Um, I've had some great feedback and some wonderful guests on as well. And I, I actually really enjoy doing my podcast. Yes. Uh, it's, so a weird, it's a bit weird sitting here with you right now being interviewed. Yeah. Um, but, but, and, but I really enjoy meeting people, learning about their stories. And, and uh, I'm actually quite an inquisitive person. So I want to know. But as a salesman, you have to be, don't you? You have to know... The other person sitting across the table, right? Yeah. Not a do all absolutely. the talking, do no, all no. the listening, get yeah. to understand it, make the questions relevant to the previous information yeah. that you got. I've been criticized a bit because of that though by uh, Alicia, who does the video and producing of some of the stuff. Um, yeah. She's like, <laughs> she's not in the room. Share, your, share your stories too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy that, and I hope I, you know, I, I've got. I'd love for it to become bigger. I'd love for it to become, you know, we look at and, and we see what's possible with Joe Rogan and, and the potential that's there, and yes. other people that have epic podcasts. And I say to myself, why can't mine be that? You know, if, if my days were spent all day, every day, talking, filming to my podcast, yeah. you would um, do that, yeah. Oh, in a heartbeat. He does one every day. Yeah, I know. Friends of mine went on it recently. A friend of mine went on it recently, yes. and it's it's epic. And what I really enjoy watching it. I love I love the way that he's using the, the screen. He's researching stuff. I love the way yes. he's telling stories. Yes. All of that's really. And there's other podcasts I like too. You know, Stephen yes. Bartlett, Diary of a CEO, epic. Um, Katie Leeson, I shouldn't say this, but she's she's the MD of that um, social chain. Really good. I like Russell Brunson. He does it in his car with his phone in his hand. Yes. You know, um, there, there are some really good podcasts out there. And so, and, and I like consuming them, you know. You and I might drive to Abu Dhabi and it's a boring old motorway, isn't it? But you listen to podcasts. Put me a podcast on and I'm wired up and I'm ready to go. So, um, yeah. I find that with our market, like Joe Rogan wouldn't be allowed here because he swears and he talks about drugs and alcohol. I swear. Do you? Well, I'm, only, well, I'm sponsored now. I My do. podcast is sponsored, yes, so I'm not to allowed be very to. Careful what They're like, say. no swearing. I'm yeah. like, oh. So yeah, for, for poor old You've got to hold back. It doesn't work the same way. So when it comes to the editing, it's like me, me, me. The guys here say, should I put star, star, star? No, just fuck it. Just put everything in there. <laughs> yeah? It's just star, star business. They can't it, come and arrest me. They can't I don't think you can't. I, I think, I mean, obviously, because of what I do with Najahi being a sponsor, I have to follow their instructions. But I don't think there are any rules around it. I mean... There's enough bad language spoken around the world, and it, you're always going to offend someone, aren't you? It doesn't matter what it is. I had an event. I was a sales director for a, a music hall here, and I don't you know. I just come to Dubai, and we booked a couple of bands from the UK, and they were amazing, amazing band. The, the singer got carried away, took his shirt off. The police came in. Put your shirt back on. I couldn't believe it. They stopped the yeah. concert. Yeah. So you can't get excited. Take your shirt off. I said, "What the hell is country is this?" <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, yeah, 
You can't do hand gestures. You can't. You never know. You, you never, never know. You never know. You never, never know. know. I don't but think Joe Joe Rogan will be so free here. I think Gary V came and he stopped swearing, didn't he? He didn't swear. It was a charger. No, he did, at the Charge Festival he came. He was here for National Cheers Congress as well. He doesn't swear when he's here. Um, but, yeah, I don't care about that. I just... Um, just be. be. I just, I, I'm just fascinated by people, why they do what they do, how they got to where they got, why it matters to them. Um, and, and, you, and there's just so much to learn from people. And the older I get, the more I care about what people have to say. Um, not because I care about their opinions, but I care about the value they can bring to me. Yes. Um, and I get you and know, share. And you know as well, you know, when you start to get great feedback from people, you know, if, if one person says you have an epic podcast, that, that's is enough yeah. to spur you on, yeah. isn't it? You know. Yeah. And if five people say it, then you can run. For, you can run for months. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Well, so. you do. I watch them. They are epic. They're amazing. No, cheers. And man. they're so natural. It's beautiful. Really good. Thank great you. Great to watch. It's really fun. Um, if you could interview one person alive, don't say Elvis or Michael Jackson, who, alive, who would that be? Wave a magic wand and you could interview him for an hour. Because you've done some big boy, Tony Robbins and all these people. Um, I, mm, I'd, like to, I'd like to interview my dad. He's with us still, mm -hmm. right? Wow. I'd like to, I don't it's a conversation you want to have listened to by public. I, I don't have secrets. I don't come from a world where yeah, there's no, secrets. It's, it's, for me, it's, I'm an open book. I'm proud I'm, of I'd, you. I'd like to have a conversation. You can't have that conversation now? Yeah, I just. He lives in the UK and I'm here and my podcast is here. So, yeah. If, if you want me to think of somebody that's famous or something like that. But you that. could make that happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, okay. What do you think the listeners will get out of it? Or is it something that you will get? I think that there'll be a lot of people that will be able to identify themselves in either part of that relationship or know someone that's in that place. And what, if I you love my, myself, I love yeah, my what dad. was that relationship? He's, he's, was it a tough relationship? It wasn't tough. It's just that you, uh, I, think I've, I think I felt abandoned. My dad said something to me the other day, which was the most amazing thing he said to me. Um, he, he, he's 75 years old, he has YouTube, but he doesn't have any other social media. And he, I, I interviewed Tony Robbins and sent him the video. I said, what do you think of Tony Robbins? He went, yeah, he's a bit arrogant, isn't he? And I was like, <laughs> I, was like I said, Dad, it's Tony Robbins. Yes, he's like, yes, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't come across my radar, to be honest with you. And I'm like, where have you, you been hiding? You yeah. million dollars. You have to be and a little so, bit outspoken. And, and, and so, yeah, and... and my dad hadn't said one good thing about pretty much anything I've ever done. And mm -hmm. the success I had over the year, nothing. Um, and he said, he said to me the other day, and I was completely side-swiped side by it. He said, I just, I just want you to know, I've watched every episode of your, uh, every video you've made, including your podcast, I've watched it all. And he said, and I've just worked out what you're doing. And I was like, here we go. Ready he said, for the punch. Yeah. And he said, you're just trying to spread positivity and motivate people, aren't you? And I was like, yes, Dad. He said, that's really good. I really like that. Well done. Man, it was, it was priceless. Wow. It, was, it was priceless. Isn't it funny? 50 years old and we still want that praise from my parents. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I, I um, didn't have a great childhood because I had so many passings and, and mental and physical abuse. And um, I was on a Tony Robbins course, funny enough, in Tenerife. And um, 
I'm opposite to my mom. She's alive and healthy and she's probably watching it. Uh, she would admit that she, because of her problems of her past, she's very negative or pessimistic, should I say. And I'm totally opposite. So I, because I lost my father when I was four, I always thought maybe I was the, his DNA. So I really resented my mom. But then in that course, I realized that she was my inspiration. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So before, I couldn't stand being with her for past an hour, right? Because it was just opposite to what I was doing. But then I couldn't stop crying in this course, age 52, right? Thinking, actually, it's opposite. Everything that she, I didn't want to be, she was. So she was my inspiration. Mm -hmm. So I phoned her up straight away, said, Mom, ticket for two weeks, Dubai, you're coming over. Got her hotel room, flew her over, spent great time with her. But my my internal dialogue towards her changed. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The pain didn't go. Mm -hmm. And the fact is this rejection and wanting uh, acceptance. Mm -hmm. But it's funny how as I've changed, she regularly tells me she's proud of me. And she'd never done that before. Mm. That's lovely. Yeah. Have yeah. that conversation. Yeah, no, I will. I will. If you don't mind me saying now today tomorrow because you never know you're not and guaranteed I, I would like to sit down with him on the That'll podcast nice. and make an episode we, we, we'll be catching up with each other I yeah. think in March anyway so yeah I'd like just to sit down with him yeah, and have let the me conversation know. I'd like, I'd like, I'd like other people I'd like other people to 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 have a window into the into into the world that people because people don't think I've got this world behind they feel this is the shiny bits and then let's see you know what happened in the early years and um, well that, that's what makes you human yeah. that's what makes people like you more because they see that side I agree, yeah. I agree. So happiness is a decision, right? Mm -hmm. You don't wake up every morning thinking, right, I'm waking up on the bright side of the road, everything's wonderful. You make a choice, you make a decision to be positive and happy. Yes. Because you could easily look at the downside of things and negative things and the scarcity of this universe. You, right? you can, yeah. I agree with that. I think that... Um, that I think you'll find that, that I, I see what I do is almost like I'm learn. It's like people in sales; they learn their lines, and they've got to learn how to perform their lines. They're on stage, and they have to perform. And I think that when I say to people, "What you see is what you get," what you see is what you get. When I'm performing, is the real me on fire. And if you see me at home, and you come to my house, and that's the real you at home. That, that's the real me at home. Yeah. So you're real all the time. I, I think authenticity is critical. Yes. I'd, yes. I'd rather be hated for being me than loved for being yes. somebody else, you know. That's amazing, really powerful. Thank you. Pleasure, man. I don't know how long we've been speaking, but it's over an hour? Have one, we hour been? one hour, two minutes. One hour, two minutes. How long? One hour, two minutes. Oh, one hour, two. I thought you said one or two hours. Well, <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. It's been great talking to you. I think we enjoyed it. I think you're amazing. I really do. I think you. uh, you're a thought leader. You're making things happen and you're a force for good. I really believe that. So That's really very kind and I take and that I, compliment very And I'd love to do coffee with you soon whenever you get a chance in your busy time. So when are you going to South Pole? That's December. So we have we have time. Let me know because I like to sponsor you. You want to come to the South Pole? Absolutely not. <laughs> but we'll, we'll help you. <laughs> I write the check. <laughs> I write the check. I like my I like my warmth. I like uh, yeah. We can, we can give you a cuddle. Davos okay. is the Davos is the <laughs> closest place the I get fridge. to. The yeah. fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I love skiing. Here's the funny thing. I'm, I'm 53 and 
I was thinking, how many more years of skiing have I got left in me before the knees get Do you love like, to ski? I love skiing. Me too. It's I one of my favourite things to do. Absolutely love skiing. How long have we got? You're 53 and I'm 50, so I reckon... 10 I, years, 12 years, before the knees start well, going, with hips. respect, Sir Chris Bonington, who I interviewed recently, at 80 years old, climbed the old man of Hoy in the Orkney Islands. Yeah, but did he ski down there? Hey... Oh, that's the question. You saw, right? you saw him. You, you saw him climbing at eighty years old. Yeah, so, so it's all what's going on there. We can ski. We can ski when we're seventy-five years old. On my old. Zimmer frame. <laughs> yeah, but you might end up having to play golf and bridge and become miserable or an yeah, alcoholic. Yeah, no, and I don't want And play with uh, Warren Buffet and, and Bill Gates any day. <laughs> so it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, ladies, for coming. Really enjoyed it. Was it okay? Yeah. Verdict good. Okay, getting it from the <laughs> professionals, mate. Thank you so much. No, thank you very much. Appreciate it. See you for coffee soon, I hope. Definitely, yeah? definitely, definitely. Uh, people want to get in touch with you one more time. The website SpencerLodge.tv. Go for me on Instagram at Spencer.Lodge or go to the TikTok at Spencer.Lodge or you'll find me. Uh, yeah, my name we'll sounds put like. put all my, the text down at the bottom yeah, of the video. My, my name sounds like an old people's home, so it's not hard to find. <laughs> great, great. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to post lots of snippets from this uh, podcast. And then when we edit the whole thing, we'll let you know. We'll pre- send it to you for preview. If you're okay, we'll post it online. You can send it out anyway. Thank you, mate. I appreciate you can send it. Send it out, and we'll, we'll share it as well. Love to. All right, pleasure mate. meeting you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone.